want to welcome you this morning. My name is Brian White, and I am so glad you're here. Uh, we've been in the midst of a series called Be the Church, and we've been looking at Acts chapter 2. Um, what do you think of when you hear the word church? You know, I think today, most people, if you ask them to describe what they thought about church, just in a sentence or two, I think the first thing they would say is something about a building, right? It's a place place you go. And then they might next say something about Sunday mornings, um, churches where, you know, people come together on Sunday mornings. And, you know, I remember in, in my second church, and um, my mic's not on. That's, we have problems. I don't know. Is that better? Yeah. It, yeah. Um, in my second church, after we talked a lot about what the church is and what it's meant to be and do and all those things. And I had this amazing saint who um, I just adored, this, this uh, senior. She's passed away now. I think she was in her 80s at the time. And, and she was just convinced that, you know, everyone in the world was raised in the church and they knew all about the church and everything. And so we had a Sunday morning and she got there early and she'd like, you know, open up the doors and everything. And uh, she, she was opening up the exterior door and there was a homeless uh, teenager, probably about 18, 19, who was sleeping underneath the eave. And she woke him up. And she offered him coffee, and he said, I'm so sorry, I didn't know you were open Sunday mornings. That was an incredible gift to that church to, to realize that, you know, maybe people see things differently than we do. And I think it's a really important reminder for us. You know, today more and more and more people, they, they don't really think of church in terms of what it was originally meant to be. Hundreds and hundreds of years uh, before anybody thought of the church as a building when they thought of church. Acts 2.42 uh, describes what the church was first meant to be and, and what they were known for. And, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. So according to Acts 2.42, the church was known for four things. Studying together, spending time together, eating together, I like that one, and praying together. And we talked a lot uh, last week about Luke and Acts and how it works, and Acts is the story of the early church, and it's also, it's volume two of a two-volume work. First volume is the Gospel of Luke, a uh, story of Jesus from his birth, his baptism, his ministry, and his teaching, and his healing, and his exorcisms, and just everything he did all the way to his death and resurrection, all the way to the ascension. Which is where the first volume ends, but then that's where the second volume just begins. Because Luke, Luke was just getting going half of the story, you know, at the resurrection and the ascension. He had a whole other book to write. And that's the deal, because Luke and Acts are, are meant to be read together. Because whatever Jesus did in the Gospel of Luke, the early church does in the Acts of the Apostles. Teaching, preaching, healing, feeding the hungry, all of that stuff. Exorcisms, trials, sufferings. The early church goes through exact same things. They do the exact same thing 
Because that's what followers do. You know, you follow your leader, which means you go where your leader goes, you do what your leader does. And that's the point of this two-volume work. See, Jesus' story is not over at the end of the Gospel of Luke. It's not even over at the end of the Acts of the Apostles, because it's the church's job to continue the things that Jesus did. It's our job now. We are the continuing story of the Holy Spirit. It's our turn to carry the baton. And I just think about that, and the confidence that God shows in us, calling us to be the continued legacy. It's amazing. So in return, I, I just think we should strive with everything we can to look and, and, and act as close as we can to the church that Jesus initially started. Which is why we go back to Acts, right? And, and look at the four things that the church did. According to Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. The church was a community of believers, and they're sharing life together. And there again, we talked about this last week, but we, we asked, you know, Christy Weinrich, she opened up um, worship earlier to, to read the rest of the passage. And, and, you know, Christy is Kelsey's mom, who's, uh, Kelsey's over here. She's our coordinator, uh, community, uh, uh, connect, community connections coordinator. And, you know, the whole family moved to Washington, D.C. Uh, several years back. And, and, and before they did, they were very active in the church. And, uh, you know, and like a lot of people... Christy's been able to worship online with us. And that's a new thing. Hi, Christy. You know, COVID has, has, you know, forced us to grow in areas we never, ever, ever thought we would grow. I mean, there's so many things that we, as staff, we joke, but we're like, I didn't sign up for that. Like online church. Which makes today's reading so much more challenging, uh, at least for me. Because how can you be a community sharing life together when some of us don't even live in the same state? And that's something we've been struggling with. In the last couple of weeks, we've had people from online greet us and read the passages. Can you be a member of a small group and not live in the same state as your small group? We've been trying to figure that out the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, we've had a good percentage of people who have moved to online church and, and, you know, in our local zip codes. But all of a sudden, zip codes just don't matter, which is a very different thing for me, honestly. Last couple of years forced us to, to find ways to reach out and, and to be more intentional in creating community. And like I say, some of us have had a really steep learning curve. I'm probably steeper than anybody on staff because it's a different world. Technology can bring us together in ways we never, ever would have imagined possible just a couple years ago. Like having a good friend who's part of our community who just happens to live in Washington, D.C., read our passage today. So I want us to listen to the rest of that story from Acts 2. It's chapter 2, verses 43 through 47, and it's Luke's picture of the early church. I am blessed to read today's scripture in Acts and verses 43 through 47. 
awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You think that would be, for most people today, if they were to hear that read, that description that they would just say, oh yeah, that's, that's a church. That's the church. But Luke says that's what happened when, when they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and when they devoted themselves to fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. I want to talk about those four things for a few minutes. Because they kind of go together, and you, you can't, it's like peanut butter and jelly. You just can't separate them. You know, you take one component out, it's just over, right? Not the same. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, if, if a church doesn't have an emphasis on teaching and learning, the church starts to look more and more like the culture that surrounds it. And it ends up being shaped by society rather than the gospel. And their ethics and their norms and, and their behaviors and everything. It, it stops looking like Jesus. And it looks more like the ethics and the norms and the behaviors of the people outside the church. And I don't think they're no, any longer the church. Same with fellowship. Uh, you know, we don't spend enough time together, we become isolated, and you can't sustain the Christian life in a vacuum. You can't follow Jesus alone. And even Jesus shared life with his disciples, right, in the Gospels. Christian discipleship was never meant to be solitary. And when we cease to, to break bread together, which is really, they're referring to communion at that point, they're remembering Jesus' Last Supper, and when we cease to break bread, we stop centering everything on Jesus' death and resurrection. And there again, we start to look like any other group of people. And if we do the first three things without prayer, without prayer, we forget that we're supposed to be a heaven and earth people. What do I mean? Well, in the words of N.T. Wright, prayer makes no sense whatsoever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together. And as the church, we already share in that. I grew up in church, right? And, and in, in the New Testament, there's kind of two models to coming to Christ. And the first is a conversion like Paul. Uh, you know, remember pretty much all of the early church um, the stories in the New Testament of the early church, they were all conversion stories, uh, you know, because there, there weren't any Christians. And so people, they had a dramatic life change, and they exchanged their old life for a new one. And that's Paul. You know, Paul's name was Saul, right? He was riding on a road. Uh, he was a Jewish rabbi. His job was to persecute Christians, and he was on a road to Damascus. And he had the, an encounter with the risen Christ. Stories and Acts. 
And his life was just completely changed within a few moments. Even his name was changed from Saul to Paul because of his encounter with Christ. There's another story, and it's at the end of Luke, and it's the walk to Emmaus, the road to Emmaus. And it's a story where a couple friends are, are journeying alongside Christ on a road, but they don't realize who it is, right? And, and they're traveling with him, and then they look back on the journey, and they realize they were walking with Jesus all along. And for me, I was raised in a church. It was all I knew. Sunday school, youth, church, always the center of my life. And, and when I stood in this front of the congregation, seventh grade, Walla Walla, and, and I affirmed my faith in Christ to the congregation, I was affirming the only reality I ever knew. Just like a baby, you know, whose first words are mommy and daddy. They're just putting a name to their reality. It's all they've known all along, mommy and daddy. So parents, I want you to think about that. Two options. You know, do you want your kid to have a Damascus story or an Emmaus story? A Damascus conversion they make great movies, but it means trading in a life that is far from Christ's desire. Generally, those stories have things like drugs and alcohol and maybe prison involved. Emmaus model means they, they come to a realization of who and whose they are. And they make a public statement. You know, their faith was initiated by their parents, and now I'm taking this on for myself. I look back on my life and I recognize who I've been journeying with all along. I mean, isn't that what we want for our children? Which is why we have children's programs and youth programs and camps and missions and family ministries. When we talk about these four things from Acts 2, 42, you know, they might sound kind of boring. And I think that's when churches start to, to get smoke machines and, you know, like laser shows and stuff. But think about what this type of Experience sharing life together like is painted here really means. It's anything but ordinary, especially in our world today. A community without Christ-centered teaching just looks like any other group of people. I mean, not marked by the things that Jesus did, like healing and teaching and feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and giving the thirsty a drink of water. They're more a community that is bound by things like greed and arrogance and a desire for power and prestige, just like everybody else is. Just like a community without a common life grounded together and bound together in Christ, they're, they're just kind of like examples of everything else in the world. Or a community that does not break bread together. Remembering Jesus' death and resurrection as the central event which centers everything, or a community that doesn't pray together, they're earth people, not heaven and earth people. And the hope and promise of life eternal isn't even on their radar. That's secular community. But imagine a 
community whose life, daily life, the reality are these four patterns. Imagine the difference in children where the pattern of teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and, and prayer is all they know. What would their life look like? It would be completely different than the life of people outside that community. It would be like sharing life with family in its absolutely healthiest definition. Which is the point of the passage that Christy read, right? In the early church, they lived life together like a family. That's what this passage is saying. When you live as a family, it's not my TV, it's not my table, my chairs, it's our TV, an hour table and our chairs, right? It's not my money and your money. Now, I know in this age of prenuptial agreements and all that stuff, that's kind of changed, but do you think that's really the vision of family that God desired initially? We read a passage like this, and and we just want to kind of skip it, right? Because we think the early Christians were like some hippie commune, or maybe they're communists at their worst, and we just don't want to deal with that. But that's not what this is saying. The early Christians were family. And the church was about brothers and sisters who were really sharing life together. And they didn't come just, you know, come to a building every couple weeks or whatever, or once a month for an hour, and then, you know, go back after that Sunday morning and live their separate lives. That's what this is saying, which is what people think about the church today usually. Today, we use words like church service and church attendance. What's a service? It's a duty. It's an obligation. That's not worship. What's attendance? That's about observation, not participation, not community, right? like the Acts 2 church. Back in the Middle Ages, like think Martin Luther's time, the the mass was in Latin, and and people would come together from the fields, because they were all kind of peasant laborers, right? And, And they would come together to a worship. Actually, it was a service at that point, which is the point. So you came to church... Not really to get anything from the worship because it was in Latin. You didn't speak Latin. You had no idea what they were saying. But it was where you met your potential wife, you know, where the, the community came together. And it was a big, huge, tall building. And they had kind of narrow slits on top uh, for the air to circulate. But that was about it. And, and it, you know, people didn't take baths very often, which is why, you know, the, they started out with the, um, the incense. True story because it kind of stunk. And they didn't have pews, they didn't have chairs, because you didn't listen to anybody speak. But behind, up front, there was, a, there was a, a curtain, and the priest would be back there, and the people would be kind of milling about. They wouldn't really pay attention to what was going up front, because they couldn't understand it in the first place. And, and they just knew somehow, behind that screen, somehow, bread and wine were just magically being changed to body and blood. 
which they didn't understand at all, because there again, it was in Latin. And they would hear the priest back there singing something like, Agnus Dei, Quitolis Picata Mundi, Misere Nobis, which means Lamb of God, you know, takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. But all they heard behind that screen was, Hocus Pocus. It's a true story. That's where the phrase hocus pocus comes from because they didn't understand that, you know, somehow magically body and blood was coming from bread and wine. It made no sense to them at all. That's service, and that's attendance. That's not what we read about in Acts as the New Testament church. In the Gospel of Luke, see the journey, the disciples, they journeyed right with Jesus and they had a common purse in the Gospel of Luke and people contributed to it out of the resources because they were acting like family. So in Acts of the Apostles, on the day the church was born, Pentecost Sunday, we looked at it last week, but Jesus' followers moved from like 12 to thousands, right? Right before this passage took place. How are they supposed to act together? Well, this passage is saying their goal was to act like the disciples did in the Gospel of Luke. Just on a larger scale. They were going to share life together as a family, is what this is saying. Sharing life together can be really hard with just a couple people. Throw in Disneyland. Hey. But let alone with a large group of people sharing life together, it, it can be hard. But if they didn't try, would they really be followers of Jesus as we read about in the Gospels? Then why is it different today? You know, because we get hung up on, you know, this passage and selling possessions and having things in common, and we, we miss the point. <laughs> they still met in individual houses. They didn't sell everything. They just got rid of their extra so they could help each other, is what it's saying, because they were family. I don't mean to minimize that at all. If they sold extra land, you know, that was just as significant then as it was now. And maybe even more so for an agrarian society, land wasn't just an economic asset. I mean, that was intertwined with ancestral heritage and, and, and inheritance. But the point Acts is trying to make is church is a family who shares life together just like the disciples did in the Gospel of Luke. That's what the church in Acts does. I mean, they were a large extended family who were bound to one another, and they shared life together, even though it was a struggle, because that's what the followers of Jesus do. Listen to these words Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, chapter 4, 9 through 12, first letter. Now concerning love of the brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anyone write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do love all the brothers and sisters throughout Macedonia, but we urge you, beloved, do so more and more. Aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your hands as we directed you, so that you may be properly behaved toward outsiders and be dependent on no one. What Paul's saying here is, you already love one another, 
but love even more. Go deeper. In agape, or in Greek, it's agape, which, you know, we know that. It's family love. It's brotherly love. It's sisterly love. Paul says, agape more. Grow in community love. Take care of one another like a family takes care of one another. Now, is that the definition that most people would have for church today? A community living life together. Like a big family who are actively trying to grow in brotherly and sisterly love. And we want to change that. And not selling possessions. And, you know, that's missing the point. But modeling our community after the early church in Acts, who modeled their community after the disciples in Luke. If we think, people think of church as a building and a place that you go for an hour or so and then, you know, you leave and you don't come back until maybe a couple of Sunday mornings down the road. I think the church needs to spend more time reading chapter 2, especially these verses. And then we need to fall on our knees and we need to ask, why isn't this happening? Because I don't think Jesus' expectations have changed. And I don't think the needs of the world have changed. But I think we need to change. I mean, church is supposed to be a family. It's supposed to be a community who shares life together. And that's hard, especially the last couple of years. Like Trevor said, next week, these, we, we have an annual meeting, and usually we do it the week before Thanksgiving, and we have a big turkey dinner, and we thought it'd be better to have just a, a as part of Sunday morning worship than have a turkey lunch afterwards. And... Um, one thing I do know, everyone in this room and online is at a different place when it comes to COVID. We've already had a couple of people say, you're going to have a lunch right now? And then others are like, well, let's, you know, let's have pizza and find the beanbag chairs. And we want to struggle through that. And we want to grow together. And, you know, like, it's messy. And we fail. And we fall. And we forgive, because that's what family does, right? So I'd ask you to join us next week for all church, but also just as a family. You pray with me. Lord, I thank you on this day for the gift of your spirit binds us together. And that vote of confidence that you've placed in us to continue the legacy The legacy we read about in Acts is that church modeled themselves after the initial community that Jesus began. Help us be the church. In your son's name we pray. Amen.